uh, chapter 11. I see some people with their arms folded, not doing nothing. Come on, Numbers chapter 11 on tonight. You come to church, you might as well learn from the Word of God. Amen. You know, at UCC, thank God you don't never have to be duty-bound or just feel obligated to come to church just to show up, to be seen. But you can actually come tonight and learn from the Word of God. Amen. I'm still waiting for every, there we go. I'm still waiting for everybody to get the Bible open, all right? Numbers chapter 11, certainly bring you greetings on tonight on the behalf of my wife, Pastor Sharon, all of the pastors and elders on tonight, and to all of you, the Lord's people. Don't forget that obviously we are in, I like to use the word Christmas season, all right? I know it's politically correct for many of you all to use the word holiday season. I'm old-fashioned, it's still Thanksgiving and Christmas season uh, uh, for me and my household, amen? So in this Christmas season, all right? Don't forget that we're going to have our worship service on Tuesday night, December the 22nd. We will not have, obviously, service on Christmas Day, but on Tuesday, begin to think now about adjusting your calendars a couple of weeks in advance. We'll have a what we call a give a gift, get a gift service, and uh, we want to be a blessing to our community as always. You know how we do at UCC during Thanksgiving as well as Christmas. Pastor Dorsey, again, thank you, man, for all your leadership. You really make UCC look like a whole lot better of church than we are, and uh, never fails on our Christmas weekend, uh, we always make sure that we don't forget those in our community. So we're going to encourage you all, as you all are Christmas shopping, as you all are doing what you do throughout this season, don't forget an extra gift for someone on that Tuesday night. They always come and get a gift from the altar, and I know what lives are changed, families are blessed. And uh, you know what? Because you're the one sowing that seed, you get the ultimate blessing from the Lord. Amen? The book of Numbers, chapter 11 on tonight. The book of Numbers, Old Testament, chapter 11 on tonight. And once again, I'm very thankful for the music and worship arts ministry. Thank you, Al, uh, Elder Alvin Hall, for you, your wife, Santina's leadership. Thank God for all these fine musicians and ministers of music, worship team leaders. And on tonight, it never fails. You all step up to the plate time and time again. Do the will of the Lord. Hit a home run. And you, you deal with humility. God bless you all on tonight. Uh, here's what the Bible says, verse 24. The book of Numbers 11, verse 24. Numbers 11 and verse 24. And so Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. And he brought together 70 of their elders. How many elders? Yeah, he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and he spoke with him. And he took of, now my Bible has a capital S here, so I'm going to go ahead and add the personality. He took of, or he took of the Holy Spirit that was on him and put the Holy Spirit on the 70 elders. Are you reading your Bibles tonight? And when the Holy Spirit rested on them, notice it wasn't in them, but when he rested on them, uh, they prophesied. But notice this, but they did not do so again. But they did not do so again. I promise you the next 20 minutes or so, you're going to get more tonight than you would at a theological seminary class, and you don't have to pay no tuition tonight. Uh, now, you do have to pay your tithe and offering, but you don't have to pay no tuition tonight, no student loans in the church on tonight, all right? I want to talk about seeing the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, Old Testament. Seeing the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. One more time. Seeing the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. All right, everybody with me tonight? Let's get started on tonight. We spent the last couple of weeks giving introduction to the person, uh, uh, the purpose, 
also the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it is our intention on Thursdays and even on, particularly more so on Sundays that you see the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, I am finishing up a last few chapter or two of my next book, and it deals with uh, Holy Spirit in the now. Uh, we want to take the Holy Spirit out of the triune, trinitarian, rafters, and the abyss of theological, theological conversation, and let's bring him home. In fact, let's take him home. Uh, let's take him to our jobs. Let's put him in our families. Let's put him in our parenting. And uh, let's find out how can we utilize, uh, employ, uh, put to work uh, the greatest advantage that I believe God has given to man in 2015, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't get a lot of amens when we use the word person of the Holy Spirit because, you know, it takes us time to deprogram uh, years of air teaching. But tonight, I want you to be fully convinced that the Holy Spirit is a person. In other words, we will refer to him as a he, a person, more so than an it, okay? Are, are you okay so far? I know that I'm going to reel some of you in from the Methodist teachings, from the Baptist teachings, and some of you all from no church background teaching. But know tonight that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, he's all God, but he can be, ident he can be identified as a person. And, and, and I want to make sure tonight, and I hope you're okay with this, but it is really my full ambition that we just don't have a classroom setting where we learn something nice about the Holy Ghost. I, I, personally, that's boring. You could have stayed home and watched the latest TV show. My goal is that you really are provoked to add some value to your everyday life because of tonight's teaching. Now, I know we got a lot of older saints in the room, and you've been in the church, and some of you have been in the way for many, many of years. Uh, but I pray that uh, even, even you and I tonight, no matter how long we've been in the church, can take something home, can do something that we can apply to our lives, not during the next revival, conference, or seminar, but we can start tomorrow morning. In fact, some of us may want to start tonight. So I'm, I'm, I've struggled a little bit with this message because <clears throat> how do you pull from the Old Testament something that is relevant for today? Usually when we think Old Testament, we think historical. We think theological. So this is going to be another dry, lifeless Old Testament, uh, uh, not even a sermon, but a lecture. My goal tonight, and I'll say it three times before I close, is that if the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament what he did, what more can he do now with life? Tonight, you will see a full discourse. You'll see a full display of the acts, of the many things that the Holy Spirit did that had a temporary price tag. It had a, it had a temporary shelf life in the Old Testament. So once again, I, I need for you to be thinking with me tonight. Number one, if the Holy Spirit moved then, how much more now was Jesus Christ? Okay? If we see the results, the tangibles, the deliverables, the fruit then, what can it do tonight or tomorrow in our lives today? Is that all right? Uh, number two, I'm going to ask tonight that throughout the teaching, you kind of make some, some, some marginal notes. How can I apply this to my right now life? That keeps you engaged in the message. It keeps this sermon tonight relevant in your life. Because again, the fact that we look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is an uphill challenge. It, to me, it's an uphill battle. Because i got to make sure it's not just a historical lecture for God's people tonight. The last thing you want to do is to be in a church where you've got a lot of sermonites and lecturing and there's no life. The Bible says that the letter killeth, all right? The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit 
gives life. Everybody okay so far? We've already said that the Holy Spirit should be the closest person. It should be the greatest relationship in the life of the Christian. Closer than any human relationship on the earth, you need the Holy Spirit to be close to you. I love the song we sang tonight, Draw Me Close to You. The Bible says, if you draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. What do you think that can do it is? What do you think the vehicle is? Prayer, yes. Faith, yes. But who's in this? Who, who's, who's, who has their hands on the steering wheel? Who's in the driver's seat? It's the Holy Spirit. You want to become close to God? Find out who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Okay? You want God to be real and strong and relevant in your everyday domestic situation? Find out who the Holy Spirit is. I'm going uphill tonight, I see. It takes time, but we'll get there tonight together. I've had two objectives for this series since day one. Number one, that you would all come to a complete understanding of knowing who, come on, say who, who the Holy Spirit is. That's important to me. Uh, number two, as much as it is important that you know who the person of the Holy Spirit is, it's important to me that you fully function in the Holy Spirit, that you practice, that you have a performance, that you understand the power of functioning in the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm just an usher in the church. Well, you can be the best Holy Spirit-filled usher in the history of time. So when all the demons get on your last nerve on Sunday morning, you can still smile at them and say, God bless you. Because the Holy Ghost will give you the control to do that. All right? When your husband get on your last nerve, you want to go off, you can smile and say, the Lord bless you. I'm praying for you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit keeps everything under control. Now, again, it's a little tough for some of y'all to understand where I'm coming from because most of the time when we think about the reference of the Holy Ghost, we think about things that are uncontrollable and out of control. In fact, they're very irrational, very illogical, very emotional, very sensational, a whole lot of moving and jerking and shaking and twisting and running, and we all thought that was the Holy Ghost. So we just assumed that the more radical or the more unseeming a service was, the more Holy Ghost was in the room. But that's not necessarily Scripture. For the Holy Spirit is about order, and the Holy Spirit is about control. Now, somewhere in the teaching later on, we'll talk about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll show you exactly what the Holy Spirit intended when it came to tongues in a public setting. And what he did not intend when it came to speaking in tongues in a public setting. One thing's for sure, the Holy Spirit is about control. So you cannot pull the I, I couldn't help it card. I came out of a very radical background on college campuses back in the late 80s. And you'd be surprised the number of things we did in the name of the Holy Spirit. It looked good, it sounded good, but it wasn't God. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. Now, we'd blame the Holy Spirit because oftentimes he couldn't defend himself in a public setting. So we'd leave sinners with their scratching their heads, not wanting to be part of the church. We were, we were full of zeal, but had very little knowledge. Full of excitement, but had very little Bible. And I pray that if you are a full-fledged member of the University City Church, that you have the umph degree of intelligence, you're rational, you're smart, you're, 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 you're spirit-filled. But when it comes to the spirit of the living God, that you understand the fire and the excitement and the zeal and the power of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, that's really been my second objective, and that's really my whole ambition for writing this book, for having this as one of my favorite series of teaching, is that you have a just balance between the intellect and the power of God. Against the, uh, with the theology, but also the practice of the Holy Spirit. It's often said and believed that in the New Testament, there is a revealing of what happened or a concealing of the Old Testament. In other words, that the New Testament would reveal what the Old Testament concealed. I'll say that again. It is often said, and it is often believed, that the New Testament 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through Revelations, all right, reveals what the Old Testament concealed, okay? Yet, let me submit tonight that it is both the Old and the New Testament that one will find the full experience, the full manifestation, watch this, of the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, once again, most of you like me, we see it in the New Testament. We see the Holy Spirit moving. You know what? I, uh, I, I said I wasn't going to deviate, but let me do this just real quick. Go to the book of Luke. Go to the book of Luke real quick. This is not on my notes. This is not on your outline. This won't be on LCD tonight. Well, I know it's not on your outline because we didn't make any available. So, uh, but, so you have to follow me. Go to the book of Luke just real quick. Let me just show you just for an example how relevant, how on time, and how often the Holy Spirit moved. Now, if, if, if you're not led to this discussion, you would not have noticed it. When you think Holy Spirit in the New Testament, most of us, if you grew up like I did, you think of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, and on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And you go all the way down to Acts 3 and all the, back, all the way down to Acts 19 when the people were believed, but yet they were not filled with the Holy Ghost. Then you start thinking about 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit, Romans, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. You think Galatians, fruit of the Spirit. You can go throughout the whole New Testament. But my God, you can't really even open the book of Luke without seeing the Holy Ghost all over the place. All right? Now, I realize we're supposed to be talking about the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament, but, but I'm deviating, all right? So Luke chapter 1. Look, just real quick. Just let me run. Let me do a rapid fire of the Holy Ghost in the book of Luke. Chapter 1. Just, I mean, I don't have my notes in front of me, but, but, but it, it kind of starts really early on. Luke 1, 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come, come upon you. He, who, who's Jesus? I mean, who, who, who's the angel talking about? Well, first of all, he's talking to Mary. Jesus hadn't been born yet, but he already prophesied in the life of Mary and Joseph. Look here, girl. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. What does she go and say in return? Well, now, you know what? Let's stay right there. Verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And uh, this is now the sixth month of, of, of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Now, I, I can stop there, but let's keep reading more about the Holy Ghost. Verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we ain't got to Pentecost yet. We hadn't gotten to John chapter 20 when he breathed on a disciple, but Mary has gotten filled with the Holy Ghost, but because he's no respect the person, he said, I'm going to hook your cousin up too, and Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Seems like everybody's getting filled with the Holy Ghost here. Uh, let's keep reading. Uh, look at, keep staying in Luke, Luke chapter 1, and go down. Uh, let's see. No, you know what? In fact, let's skip over to chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's pick it up. Verse, hmm. I don't want to read that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Verse 25, behold, there was a certain man in Jerusalem. Name was Simeon. Man was just about waiting on consolation in Israel. Oh, yeah, here it is. And, okay, verse 25, Luke 2, 25. And behold, there was a certain man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Uh, and this man was just, he was devout. And what? Watch this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And here we go again. What does your Bible say? And what? The Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, we're not, we're not in Pentecost yet. We're not at John chapter 20 where Jesus breathed on the disciple. But even while this man was waiting for Jesus, the Holy Ghost came upon him. I mean, and you know, we could get reading on and on and on. 
because he's been active before Jesus. He was active before the new church. He was active before the New Testament. Now, let's go Old Testament just for a few moments. So once again, the New Testament will always reveal what the Old Testament concealed. All right? I want to talk to you about a couple of differences real quick between the Holy Ghost of the New Testament and the Holy Ghost of the Old Testament. Now, you've been with me for quite some time. I don't want to split hair with terminology and semantics tonight. There are times when I use the word Holy Ghost, all right? And there are times when we use the word Holy Spirit. Really one and the same. They're synonymous. It's just sort of to your, your preference, all right? This is not a non-negotiable. This is not an interpretive. But there are settings where I prefer to use the word Holy Spirit. I think our millennial crowd would rather use the word Holy Spirit, where our older crowd love using the word Holy Ghost. All right? Now, some of you real uh, uh, relevant, smart, intelligent, we don't want to use the word ghost because we don't want to scare nobody. Well, Casper was a friendly ghost. He didn't scare nobody. Huh? There are all type of ghosts in my cereal at home, uh, and no one got scared there. So let's, let's not trip too much on the word ghost when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So if, if it floats your fancy to use the word Holy Ghost, use the word Holy Ghost, all right? It's not a bad thing, all right? If you feel better saying the Holy Spirit has come upon us, well, use the word Holy Spirit. Either way to go, find out who he is and what he can do for you. All right? Everybody okay so far? There were differences from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Again, the New Testament will always reveal what for ancients of time the Old Testament concealed. But when we look at the Holy Spirit, there are noticeable and distinctive differences from the New Testament and the Old Testament. In fact, you don't have to turn here, but John 14, 16, it gives us a little hint of things to come. Here's what it says, John 14, 16. And I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, that he may abide with you forever. If you're in the word of God, if you're at John 14, underline he will abide with you forever. Here's one of the differences we'll notice in the next few moments. He will abide with you forever, even the Spirit, capital S of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, nor knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. There are two distinctive marks of the Holy Ghost found in John 14 that you will not see in the Old Testament. Number one, he's going to be with you forever. You say, well, I thought he would be with you forever in the Old Testament. That's not necessarily true. And I'll prove that to you in a moment. Number two, he will be on the inside of you. In the Old Testament, we see a lot of areas where the Holy Spirit came on a person, but not necessarily in a person. We'll talk about that in a few moments, okay? The emphasis of this passage is that the new ministry would be in a dwelling, and it would be permanent. In the New Testament, you and I live in the New Testament in the new era of Christ Jesus, all right? So instead of the Holy Ghost coming on you to sing a nice song on Sunday mornings, and then you, and you leave him in the choir stand. You go back to living a hell, I mean, excuse me, a sinful life uh, rest of the week. Hello? We've had that problem before, by the way. Uh, we've had to put folk off the prayer team because they had nasty mouths. You can't sing. The Bible says that, Bible says, blessed and cursed not. How can two come out of the same stream? So you can't sing the praises of Zion and then get out there in the parking lot, stop cussing folk out, and then be right back in rehearsal on Sunday, on, on, on Wednesday night. Everybody all right? See, the Holy Ghost may have come upon her to sing that song because she's living in the Old Testament. But has she lived in the New Testament? I'm not talking about nobody in particular. Yes, I am. Uh, has she not lived in the New Testament? She would have had the Holy Ghost in the parking lot like she had it in the choir stand. And that's not a choir spirit. Sometimes it's a pulpit spirit. Huh? Sometimes it's a hustle spirit. I found out it can be a greeter spirit. So in the Old Testament, <laughs> everybody okay tonight? 
Well, y'all looking at, oh, boy, where he going with this one? No, seriously, seriously, seriously. We need the Holy Ghost in us, not just on us. I need the Holy Ghost in me, not just on me. Mm. Anybody can have the Holy Ghost on Sundays, but can you have them when you're arguing with your spouse? I'm glad I ain't married. Okay, can you have when you fussing with your teenage child? And she's gotten on your last nerve. I'm about to lay down my religion. This ain't no Kirk Franklin. This ain't no new album. You need to hold on to your religion now. All right? Let's get moved. I, say, I don't know if y'all like me when I go, go places like that. I'm just trying to make it real for you, all right? See, again now, I'm not just talking from a historical, uh, theological conversation about the rafters and the abyss of the Holy Ghost. Let's bring him down. Let's bring him inside, and let's take him home. All right? Everybody okay so far? Everybody fine? All right, let's keep moving then. So, so, so once again, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was often not permanent, and there was no indwelling. In fact, it was selective, temporary, and often used for events and happenings. I dare you to go home, look back at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Temporary, selective, often used for events and happenings. Daniel 5, 14. You don't have to turn there because I'm moving real fast tonight. The Bible says, I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you. Notice the word in for this particular t context. And the light and understanding and excellence of wisdom are found in you. Uh, again, in the message version, I've heard about you, that you're full of the Holy Spirit, that you got a brilliant mind, and you are incredibly wise. Now, that's the message version. Now, we, hear we see the word in you for this particular reference point. But if you knew anything about Daniel, all right, uh, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember the, the, the Hebrew boys and all that good stuff? Daniel was often used as a vessel to prophesy, a vessel to interpret dreams, a vessel to lead, all right? But we never really saw the consistency throughout Daniel's life. And I'll show you more examples in a few moments, all right? Now, I won't have time to review too much tonight, but since just some of you all are new or maybe others are visiting or some are watching online, we know that the Holy Spirit is the third triune Godhead. He's the third person, the third person of the triune or trinity Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and now God manifested as the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is all God, but he can be identified as a person. We know that the Holy Spirit has, a, has functions uh, and assignments. He's called the paraclete. He's, he's called to help you. And once again, my brothers and sisters, not just on Sundays, not just for spiritual exploits. He can help you in the classroom. He can help you on your job. I, be, I really believe that. He's called the advantage by Jesus himself. And the statement we make often here is, take advantage of your advantage. It would be to your advantage to take advantage of the advantage. But we leave him at church. We leave him in theological high conversations. We never bring him with us. And perhaps as they say, out of sight, out of mind, is it perhaps because you don't see him, you don't use him? Is there a lack of faith because of unanswered prayers of the past? That you don't believe he can move now? I mean, after all, he's an informer. He's an encourager. He's an empowerer. Is that right? We'll find out next Sunday that he's a convictor. I mean, he literally has a job description. He's not just hanging out to make you feel goose pimples on Sundays. He comes to convict you when you're doing wrong. He comes to convince you of God's will. He comes to convert 
And we see that throughout the whole New Testament, the whole book of Acts even. When the Holy Spirit came, there were times Peter didn't have to say nothing. He just showed up and the Holy Ghost came. And before he could do the altar call good, folk was getting saved. I can show you other references in the book of Acts where some folk got saved, then got the Holy Ghost. There are other passages where people got saved and got the Holy Ghost at the same time. Some folk were getting baptized in water. They still trying to figure out who they are, and the Holy Ghost came upon them. He should be the closest person that you should ever know. But all right, I want to help you out tonight. I got filled with, with the Holy Ghost in 1988. Got saved on a Friday night about two weeks, three weeks later. There was a baptism, a subsequent separate experience. All right? I'd, I'd call it a phenomenon. I mean, it was a biblical move of God that brought authenticity. It was real, no hype, no hustle, fully infused with power, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, with the evidence of prophecy, with the evidence of, of the gifts of the Spirit. It's 27 years ago. I come out of a background where just not supposed to happen. So I understand for some of us tonight, it's hard to see the Holy Spirit more than the context you grew up in. All right? Let me give you a couple of thoughts real quick about the Holy Spirit. When we, when we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, and I may, I may pick this up on Sunday because Sunday... I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a move of God. I'm expecting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm expecting an outpouring of the Holy Spirit both Sunday morning. We have communion Sunday night. Um, and, and I think it just makes for a good atmosphere when there's hunger and people are thirsty and there's an expectation. All right? When you look historically and chronologically at some of the greatest moves of the Holy Ghost, it wasn't in popular settings. It wasn't in popular places. It wasn't even in popular times. In fact, seemingly God has a sense of humor. It's almost as if he, will, he goes diametrically opposite of what man expects when the Holy Ghost falls into a room. So please understand and don't empathize with me and feel sorry for me. I'm okay when the masses of the crowds don't come and grab the Holy Ghost. It doesn't need to be marketed. He does not need to be advertised with slick online marketing prowess. If you're hungry enough, if you're thirsty enough, if you got to a point of breaking in your life, you'll get the Holy Ghost. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced of that. And so tonight, the Holy Spirit, we refer to him as a person. Why? Three things real quick. Number one, he thinks. Number two, he reveals. Number three, he is grieved. Let me add a fourth one as a bonus. Number four, he can be lied to. All right? Uh, the Holy Spirit thinks, Romans 8, 27. For he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He who searches the hearts. He, how the Bible says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 2, 11, Who knows the things of a man except by the Spirit, capital S, so by the Holy Spirit of a man? So he thinks, come on, say he thinks. Number two, he reveals, however, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, however it is written, no eye have seen, nor ear have heard, nor has conceived in the mind what God will prepare for those who love him. But God has revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. 
Eyes have not seen. Ears have, had, have not heard. It has not entered the heart of men. But God has revealed these things through, to us by the Holy Spirit. You want to know what your future should look like? Don't go get a crystal ball reader. Don't go to a palm reader. Don't stop by the tarot card person. Don't go look at the, uh, 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 I'm a Sagittarius, Aquarius, uh, Libra. Uh, put all of that junk away and go get the Holy Ghost. You don't need to pull out no cards and you don't need, you know, I'm, I'm all right with fortune cookies because they do taste good. But other than that, I don't need to read a fortune cookie to tell me what my life's going to be the next six weeks. Go in prayer, open the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, because that's his assignment. You're not asking him to do a hard thing. He wants to do what God sent him to do. Holy Spirit, how, how, what should my year be like for 2016? Would you give me a, a heart? Would you give me a framework? Would you show me what I need to work on for this next year? Number three, the Holy Spirit can be grieved, Ephesians 4, 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to Paul talking to the church. He says, church, you all are tripping. You all got some serious drama dysfunctions. Stop grieving. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Paul says, stop grieving the Holy Spirit of whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. Get rid of your bitterness, rage, temper, anger, brawling, slander with every form of malice. And be kind. Be compassionate one for another. Would you learn how to forgive? Thank you for forgiveness, by the way. Would you learn to forgive one another just as Christ forgave you? Let's put those thoughts together. When you don't walk in forgiveness, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Sharon, I'm almost discouraged. I just might as well go home because I don't feel like anybody's getting in at this message tonight. When you walk in bitterness, you put the Holy Ghost in the back seat. When you slander and put your mouth on people and say things behind their back, you're really handcuffing the Holy Ghost from doing anything in your life. When you walk in temper, anger, rage, malice, brawling, you know what brawling is? You want to put them up. Just put them up. Put them up. You fighting everybody. You fighting everybody. Everybody get on your, I mean, that ain't the Holy Ghost. All right? Can I talk to you tonight? We cannot afford to have mean ushers, mean Ministers, mean missionaries, no more titles, no more front row, no more position, and you're mean. Okay, excuse me, I stepped on your gator shoe, but don't kill me. Okay, I forgot to call you by your proper name in ecclesiastical form and format, but don't cuss me out. You know, I'm tired, I'm going through, my head's hurting, I didn't acknowledge you, I forgot to say thank you. But that doesn't mean you sit up here and run my name in the dirt. Last I checked, we overcome evil by love. Huh? I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? All right. Don't give me a 50-year sentence because I forgot to sign your name the right way. Would you forgive me? Is it all that? Insecurity runs deep, but I'll not be on your address. You know, I read a statement the other day. The reason we trip like this in the church is because oftentimes only in the church can you have, can you be, only in the church can you have a sixth-grade education, be an assistant manager at McDonald's, but still be the head of the trustee deacon board. Didn't finish, grad, didn't finish middle school. Can't keep a job at Walmart, but in the church you can be the head elder. You've been not successful anywhere else in life. So you come to church, and the only place that we dumb down and lower the standards so you can be somebody, you will kill somebody if we step, step to you the wrong way. I mean, come on, think about it. A lot of this didn't happen in a lot of the circles and other churches because they got big things they go to when they leave the church on Sundays. 
There's somebody in corporate America. There's somebody in the, in the enterprise or, or entrepreneurial world. There's somebody in the media. There's somebody in politics. But when you come to church and it's the only thing you got, yeah. put them up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to brawl you. And you may say, well, I don't fight nobody. I'm, I'm too ladylike for that. No, but your looks fight. The way you look me up and down like I'm a piece of trash. Uh-huh. You say you're praying for me. You're not praying for me. You're praying on me. You say, what does all this have to do with the Holy Ghost teaching tonight, Pastor Stephen? has everything to do with it. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, he'll, he'll call you to shut your mouth. He will control you on the... Now, why are you not saying amen? Come on, talk to me now. You're about to make me mad, and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be grieved with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> All right. Number four, he can be lied to. You all remember the story in Acts chapter 5. Be uh, but, of certain, uh, but, but a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold possession. And you all know the story. Uh, he kept back part of the proceeds, uh, his wife also being aware of it, and they brought certain parts and laid it at the pot's feet. In other words, they, they, they were big-time shot callers and ballers, and they stood in front of folks and said they're going to give this big fund, and they're going to give this tithe, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. But when the deacons counted the offering envelopes behind closed doors, they found out instead of giving 1000 they only gave 200 Instead of giving 200 they gave 20 Instead of getting 20 they still bouncing the check. And so uh, uh, notice what Peter, the leader of the church, said. He says, you know what? Uh, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to be a perpetrator? You know the word hypocrite in the Greek means pretender, one who pretends. Why you pretend to be somebody in front of the foe and behind closed doors, you're not half what you say you are? He said, you haven't lied to man, you lied to the Holy Ghost. No, I mean, read the scripture, look at the Bible. You have not lied to man, he says, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit by keeping part of, of the price of the land for yourself. And you all know the rest of the story. Well, why would Peter say you lied to the Holy Spirit? Well, it makes sense to me that, man, the Holy Spirit was so infused in that, 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 that hour of Pentecost. They just gotten out of the upper room. They're laying down the framework for the new church. The Bible said they met daily in the temple. We can't come to church twice a week without feeling like we're, we've compromised uh, our life standards. They went to church every day. They prayed every day together. They broke bread every day together. We meet two times a week, and all of a sudden, we're too common with one another. He said, listen, we got a good thing going on with the Holy Ghost. Why would you dare try to break that? So he's a person who can be grieved, who can be lied to, who thinks, who reveals. I want to give you three facts. Three th in fact, let me give you three thoughts. It's, it's five minutes to eight. Give me, give me a few moments. Let me give you three facts concerning the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. All right? Three facts. You need to know this. Now, before I give you these facts, remember one more time, I think it's worth repeating. Of the historical existence of the Holy Spirit, it is very evident that the Holy Spirit has been moving ever since the beginning of time. We talked about that Sunday, remember? We found out in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the Holy Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Capital S, the Holy Spirit. If it's capitalized, I believe there's some type of personification to that. The Holy Spirit, the person hovered over the face of the waters. You remember Genesis 2, 7 last Sunday when we said that uh, man had full body, he had full image, he had full form, but he had no life in him? When did he get the life in him? When God breathed in him. And so here we are in the New Testament. Some of us are living, walking, breathing, talking, moving, but we have no life in us. Why? Because he hadn't breathed on us, the Holy Ghost. It's a whole nother message. Maybe we'll get back to that Sunday morning. Numbers 27, 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit is the Spirit. 
and lay your hands on him. So we see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. Fact number one, the Holy Spirit indwelt in some people of the Old Testament. I need to make that clear. In the New Testament, he wants to live in everybody. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Write down Acts 2.38. Just write it down. We won't have time to turn there tonight, but just write down Acts 2.38. Peter makes this promise. Where did he get it from? He got it from the Old Testament. Joel chapter 2. He says, and this promise, capital P, and this Holy Spirit, this person, he's not just going to be with us in the upper room experience. He's not just going to be with our kids who are hanging out there playing around while we have having church today. But Peter says, this promise is for you, your children, your children's children, and for those who are far off. Now, why is this important? There is a major theological rift in today's church. What, what, I, I, I can never say the word right. Successionalist, secessionalist, I think is the best way to pronounce that word. But there is a generation and an era of people who believe that the Holy Spirit stopped in the New Testament church. So all of the tongues, the healings, the miracles, and all of the things we see in the Old Testament stopped when the first fathers of the patristic period died off. Now, we know that's not true because we still see the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. So Peter kills all of that by saying, this same Holy Ghost promise that we got here, your kids, your grandkids, their kids, their grandkids, and as far as they are of every generation, will have the same power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me do this real quick. You need to know this tonight. You need to know this tonight. The Holy Spirit dwelt in some people in the Old Testament, but not everybody. In the New Testament, if you are saved, all right, you are not just a candidate, but you are, you are a prime candidate to have the Holy Ghost. He's a gift. You don't have to go work for him. You don't have to apply for him. You don't have to pay for him. Just be saved, and you can have the Holy Spirit, okay? But in the Old Testament, Joshua, uh, Numbers 27, 18. We see it in David, 1 Samuel 16. We see it in Gideon, Judges chapter 6. We see it in Samson even. Remember Samson, y'all? Y'all remember Samson, right, with the, the, the Lila and the strong and all that stuff? Well, the Holy Spirit came upon Samson for a moment. But it, as you'll see in a, in a few minutes, it was just for an event, but not for a lifestyle. That was the Old Testament. Now, here again, number two. If he can do all of this in the Old Testament for an event or for a moment, what do you think he wants to do in your life forever? All right. Number two, the temporary coming of the Holy Spirit is seen in that the Spirit came upon the individual, again, for a specific task. And it is reasonably able to assume that when the task had been carried out, the Holy Spirit was no longer needed for the individual. I'm putting all this in my book, by the way, and that's why it sounds a little bit wordy. In other words, it's very often, it's very obvious in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would come for a specific task, a specific moment. And after that task was accomplished, the Holy Spirit left. He was no longer needed. Again, we can look at Samson, when the Holy Spirit came upon him just for that moment. Gideon, when the Holy Spirit came on him just for that moment. In fact, Exodus 31 reads this. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Be Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, knowledge of all kinds of crafts, to make artistic design for the work in gold, silver, and bronze. Oh, my God, I could faint right now reading this scripture. God was so into the house of God. He was so into excellence. Can I talk to you tonight? You're a private business owner. He wants to fill you with skills and wisdom. You want to go up the corporate ladder on your job? Go back and read Exodus 31. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with wisdom, with skill, 
if he filled this man here to make artistic designs in gold, silver, and bronze, he fills someone else to cut and set stone. He fills another group of folk to work with wood and engage in all type of craftsmanship. Why wouldn't he not want to fill you for your corporate setting? Why would he not want to fill you on the college campus to finish that degree? You don't have to struggle getting that degree that some of you all are trying to accomplish at an older age in life. He says, I got all the Holy Ghost you need if you'll ask. There's a scripture in the New Testament. I know we're not in the New Testament tonight, but Jesus said, which one of you all as fathers who have children would ask for a fish and you get a stone in return? Or you ask for bread and you get a serpent in return? He said, how much more are my Father in heaven so good so when you ask for the Holy Ghost, he'll give them to you? You don't have to resist the Holy Spirit tonight. You don't have to. I'm almost finished. Let me give you the third point, and we finish. Number one, again, was the Holy Spirit indwelt in some people in the Old Testament, but not all the people. Number two, he, he, the Holy Spirit comes for a, a specific task. And when that task was over in the Old Testament, it was no, long, no longer needed in that particular situation. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was temporary in his indwelling. Let me give you a couple of examples. First Samuel 10. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. That's what he tells Saul. First Samuel 16. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and then an evil spirit of the Lord came upon him. See there? It was temporary. The Holy Ghost was upon Saul, and guess what? How do you know he prophesied? So you don't have to question whether he was filled with the Holy Ghost or not. He did things Holy Ghost-filled folk do. He prophesied. But notice what happened next. Holy Ghost leaves him. David understood that when he said in Psalms 51, David was fearful and said, Lord, do not let the Holy Spirit be taken away from me. You remember Psalm 51. Lord, whatever you do, don't take the Holy Ghost away from me. David had no long-term eternal relationship with the Holy Spirit. So he knew even temporarily it was just there for that moment. Psalm 139.7. Where can I go from your Holy Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're also there. The psalmist recognized that he may not be in me, but I do know where I can find him from time to time. In the New Testament, you don't have to worry about finding him from time to time. Why? Because he'll be on the inside of you. All right, here's my third and final time. If the Holy Spirit could have shown himself strong and mighty and evident in the Old Testament, how much more does he want to do something tonight? in your life. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Could it be tonight? Give me two more minutes. Could it be tonight that some of the greatest accomplishments and exploits are yet to be done in your life because of the lack of the Holy Ghost? There are books, maybe some albums, CDs, projects, clientele, There could be some wonderful exploits that have yet to have been done because we have not put two and two together with the greatest advantage he's given us. I asked the Lord earlier, help me to explain to the people tonight the Old Testament Holy Spirit and the New Testament Holy Spirit. He gave me three things. Number one, he says, you know, in the Old Testament, they had the Holy Ghost like we rent cars. You ever rented a car you really enjoyed, but you know you only have a few days Y'all are not saying amen. 
was it last year? When last year? Two years ago. Two years ago when that, um, that, that 2014 Candy Apple Red Corvette came out. Y'all know the new Corvette, new body style? I can't afford one. And even if I could afford one, it ain't practical that I have one. So my wife and I, this is about two years ago, we rented one from the Enterprise Rental Car. I won't call no name, but I had a buddy who gave me a good old discount. I rented that car for less than you could rent a Sonata for. Where did we go? Oh, I, I drove, I did a preaching engagement in Greensboro. Man, I was on I-85 with that top back. I was going home <clears throat> something an hour. I had my, I had my, my tie tribute and my friend had me pumping loud and a candy apple red convertible. 2014 Corvette. You remember right about it? We went down to South Park, pumping music real loud. But guess what? I took that car back before noon. As much as I enjoyed it, I took pictures and selfies and all that stuff. That car got to go back by noon. Don't be late either. We're going to pay another day. Now, thankfully, I had a great discount. Trust me, great discount was worth the trip. But in the Old Testament, you can rent the car. But in the New Testament, you can drive off that lot with that car and never have to worry about returning it. And, and, and that may not work enough for some of you all. Let me give you another one. You ever, you ever gone window shopping at the mall? You ever tried on a pair of shoes you know you couldn't afford no matter how much you saved? They just felt good for the moment. Hmm. You ever went to a certain section in the mall and a certain store that you really, you know, if you got ass, you really don't belong here? But, you know, you looked around and figured nobody knew who you were. You went on and tried on a suit anyway. Huh? You ever tried on a $2,000 suit? Anyone ever tried on a three, dollars $4,000 dress? I haven't. I just wanted to know. Have you ever tried on a three, dollars $4,000 dress? On your best day, unless you max out all your credit cards, you really can't. But it sure felt good. Look at it in that mirror. And you saw yourself at the prom. You saw yourself at the ball. You saw yourself at the banquet. You saw Bob Barker singing, isn't she lovely? You walking down the aisle and all of the flowers being thrown. But guess what? The tags are still on that dress. And you're going to have to take it off before they call security. See, in the Old Testament, you could try the dress on. In the Old Testament, you could try the Holy Ghost on for a few minutes. But he wasn't going to stay but for so long. Can I give you one more example? Uh, every year they have what's called homorama. Y'all know about homorama? Does anybody not know about homorama? Oh, thank you for letting me know. Homorama, and my wife and I have gone to homorama many a years. It's when they go to some of the nicest neighborhoods in Charlotte. And for about $10, maybe $12, you can tour seven, eight, nine diff different houses. Now these houses are two, three, four, five, some of them are seven, eight, nine million dollars. Homorama's down in Ballantyne and Piper Glen and uh, Sanctuary. I mean, all these real nice neighborhoods. And for years we'd go because we couldn't afford no house like that. And we still can't afford no house like that. But, but, but for about an hour and a half, we'd pay a $10 ticket and go throughout all these nice homes. And they're freely furnished and the swimming pool and the jacuzzi and 10,000 square feet, 15,000 square feet. And for about an hour and a half, we had the Holy Ghost of the Old Testament. You know, <laughs> and you, if you like my friend, Pastor Curtis Carter Gastoni, now he'll get all in the bed, lay down, put his feet all up, and hang out. Like, I said, man, you can't, listen, man, this, we don't own this. We got to get out of here. They're going to call the police on us. You know, but, but for an hour and a half, you had the Holy Ghost of the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, you don't have to worry about a $10 ticket. Not only does the house belong to you, there's no mortgage on the house. And you got more provisions than you'll ever need. I want to give you a contrast. 
and the Holy Spirit was temporary and event-driven. But in the New Testament, you live in the house. You drive the car. You got the dress. And not just for temporary, but forever. You don't have to beg. You don't have to borrow. You don't have to keep looking at your watch and wondering, when is this guy, when is this dream going to come to an end? It's real life with the Holy Spirit. Number three, and I'll close real quick. Number three. You know what? I don't have time to give you number three. I'm going to have to give you number three uh, on Sunday. Let's stand to our feet. I will give you Joel chapter 2 because, to me, Joel chapter 2 is the bridge from the old to the new. You remember Joel chapter 2? The Bible says, in the latter days, I will pour out my what? I will pour out what? I will pour out my spirit, capital S. So let's go back and say it right. I will pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Huh? And it's not just for the men, but your men and your women, your sons and your daughters for prophesy. It's not just generational, so it's not just for the young folk. I got some Holy Ghost for the older people. They'll dream their dreams. I got some Holy Ghost for the younger folk. They'll have their visions, maid servants, or whether you're the leader, the usher, the attendee, no matter who you are, if you're willing to drink of this cup, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we are now in the New Testament in Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room. What scriptures use? Joel chapter 2. Peter says, listen, we're sitting here doing what Jesus called us to do. We're waiting as he called us to wait. Then the Bible says, suddenly a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now, it wasn't the wind itself because the wind would have killed everybody in the house, but there was a sound of that wind. And when the Holy Ghost came in the room, everybody, I wish I had time to read that scripture because you'll find out there was some folk from Lebanon. You'll find out there was some folk from Africa. There was some folk from Syria. There was a folk from Italy. There were people from all over the world, and they were speaking the same language. I can't wait till the church begins to speak the same language at UCC. No more divisions, fashions, fractions, issues, drama, dysfunctions. But we can be on the same page, singing from the same seat of music, singing the same thing. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, there's harmony. There's unity. In the Old Testament, he was temporary. When the event was done, he was done. But in the New Testament, we see all type of permanent indwellings and empowering of the Holy Spirit. I know I said three times, but I better do it one-fourth time and drive the point home. If he came upon a Samson who struggled in his flesh in the Old Testament, who put his face in the lap of Delilah and told her all his secrets. And as wrong as Samson was, God still used him more at his death than he did at his life. But the Bible says clearly that the Holy Ghost came up on him. David is a murderer. He's an adulterer. He's prideful done some horrible things. But David said, God, every once in a while, you'll let the Holy Ghost visit me. And then I'll write some psalms. And I'll write a hymn or two. Then he's gone. <laughs> then I go to getting fear from, from Saul and running and hiding in caves. Then sometimes I'm in the cave and he'll come visit me again. And I'll go by the plains of Engedi and I'll write some more psalms by the Holy Ghost. Then he's gone again. He said, God, listen, I know I done sinned. I've blown it. But whatever you do, don't take the Holy Ghost away from me too much. So he realized it was an off-on relationship. Yeah. 
and it goes on and on and on in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he won't just come on you, he'll come in you. So no matter where you go, he's there. No matter what you're going through, he's there. He is a person, but he's all God. He comes to help you. I want you this coming weekend, let's get hungry for the Holy Ghost. Okay, no apologies. I know we got visitors and you've got your guests and friends and you really want to impress them how astute and how wonderful and how cool. And, but let me tell you something right now. You don't know what those friends you bring to church are going through. And they don't need another polished, pretty, cute sermon. They need power from the Holy Ghost. I'm, 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 I'm a firm believer of that. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. People come cute and pretty and a lot of glitz and glamour and a lot of exterior and veneer and cosmetics. Oftentimes it hides from a broken and a bruised heart. And they're hungry. So they don't need no ball, no, 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 no bells and whistles. They're not looking for no dog and pony show. Get me to a place where I can be filled with something I can take home. Heads about eyes are closed. <laughs> Excuse me. Heads about and eyes are closed. I think tonight the ultimate question is, God, what can we do now with what we know? We don't want a window shop. We're not here to rent the car. We're not here to take the temporary tour. But God, you gave us a promise that the Holy Spirit is a gift from heaven. And if we'd receive them, we'd have that same performance, same practice, same power. God, may we know tonight that he's more than an it, more than a feeling, more than an experience. But the Holy Spirit is God who can be identified as a person. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to lie to the Holy Spirit because he does think and he does reveal. He's our greatest advantage. He's our greatest advantage. God, tonight, would you yet even the more precept upon precept, step upon step, continue this journey, I ask tonight, that we would all come to a full understanding and a functioning practice of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. While every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a few moments. What could, how, how could the Holy Ghost help you? Think about it just for a moment. In fact, we'll take 30 seconds to do this. What areas of your life are you lacking in? What areas of discipline, areas of practice, areas of habits, areas of, of struggle, areas of, of failure? Because it doesn't have just to be sin-oriented. Maybe you've thrown in the towel time and time again on school. Could the Holy Ghost help you in that area? Maybe you're struggling with self-image or self-worth or self-esteem. The Holy Ghost can help you with that. He really can. Maybe there's some heartbreak. Maybe there's some unforgiveness, some bitterness. Maybe there's shame and guilt. The Holy Spirit can help you with that, even tonight. If you moved in the Old Testament the way he did, which was temporary and event-driven, how much more tonight will the permanency of the Holy Spirit move in your life? 
I want you to pray a very simple prayer with me tonight. I'll lead you out, but somewhere in this prayer, you'll have to make it your own personal prayer. After this prayer, we'll prepare ourselves to give and we'll go home. But let me help you. Perhaps let me lead you out. Father, tonight as we stand in your presence and as we look within, there are areas in our lives that we could use and employ the Holy Spirit. And tonight, God, I just thank you for the word, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Our faith has been increased tonight. Our hunger has been intense, that we would have more of you and less of us. Perhaps tonight there are some areas in our lives and in our homes and on our jobs, maybe perhaps even among our children, that we could use more of the Holy Ghost. If you did all of those wonderful things that you did in the Old Testament, which were fleeting and temporary and passing, we know tonight you want to do some permanent, some powerful things here. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord tonight. Would you repeat these words? Say, Father in heaven, it is your perfect will that I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Tonight I acknowledge and I honor the word of God. And I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are areas in my life that I need his help, his guidance, his comfort, his conviction. And so tonight, while these hands are lifted, I submit unto you and I receive a greater grace in the Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, minister to my needs. Speak to my heart. Handle my issues. I give them unto you in the name of Jesus. Now, just right where you're standing, just take a moment and think about these things. Now that I know these things, now that I know these things in my heart, in my mind, in my life, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm really wanting to go home, but I can't keep help but ask this question. What can you do tomorrow with the Holy Ghost? What greater works, greater ministries, greater deeds because of the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. Clap your hands for the Lord on tonight for the word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It is my objective that you go home and think about the word of the Lord tonight and somewhere in your devotion.